Well, friends, let's get our Bible out and turn to John chapter 14. That's where we're going to be today as we begin a new sermon series. And I'll tell you about that in just a moment. But I want to take this opportunity to say how much I appreciate the ministry of Pastor Aaron and Carly Webster in our students' lives. Um, What you saw here on the platform is just a fraction of the ways that they invest in the lives of young people. And when you think about all that students have to deal with today, and I know we say that like every generation, it's like, oh my goodness, I can't believe what kids have to deal with today. But um, I, I really do... I'm aware of the challenges that students have in high school and in junior high, and uh, I'm so thankful that we have um, people who are called to to youth ministry, and they're called to serve in this way, and um, parents, uh, if your child is in between 7th and 12th grade, do not take for granted this resource that you have in Pastor Aaron and Carly Webster. Um, they are, they pour into my family's life in just amazing ways. Um, my oldest son is now the recipient of, of their ministry. And I'm so thankful for them. And, and I think about the, the small investments uh, over time that they have made uh, in these five graduates that are on this platform. The cumulative effect of that, uh, God has used uh, in some really significant ways. And so I just, I just, I'm thankful for them, and I think this would be a good chance for us to show our appreciation to Pastor Aaron and, and Carly. So, very, very thankful for them. And, and, well, let's, uh, be, let's look at John chapter 14. Um, we're going to be there today as we talk about the Holy Spirit. Have you ever felt alone, friends? Have you ever felt like you're facing a task, there's a responsibility, there's something due its work, there's a project, it's all crashing down on you and you feel like you're on an island? Have you ever felt alone? What about that friend that you had that's not here anymore? That best friend, that spouse, that family member, they were with you on the journey, you were walking with them step for step and now they aren't here anymore. Today we're exploring the difference the Holy Spirit makes in our lives. And and what Scripture teaches us about the presence of the Holy Spirit is that we are never alone. Through the Holy Spirit, God is always with us. Scripture teaches a variety of things about the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. But if I could boil it down to just one word, if you were to say, what is the ministry of the Holy Spirit in one word, it would be this, presence. Presence. God is with us through the Holy Spirit. Now, if you're new to the Christian faith, I want to make sure you understand that we're talking about God, and God has revealed himself as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This is something we call the Trinity. And uh, to fully unpack that, you might have to just dig in here for about, oh, 40 years or so, and you'll begin to, to understand the Trinity better. Uh, but, but the, the Holy Spirit in our lives is, is, it helps us connect with God and, and it helps us understand God's plan in our lives and is a promise that comes throughout Scripture again and again and again that we are never alone. So over the next few weeks, uh, I want us to, to think about the presence of the Holy Spirit. Today we're thinking about God's comforting presence. But I also want to think about his empowering presence, his affirming presence, his saving presence, and ultimately his abiding presence with us through the Holy Spirit. We're going to be in the Gospel of John. Uh, we're going to see what John has to say about the Holy Spirit. And, uh, and, and 
what you need to know about John is, is John's just a, a little different. The three synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they tell the story of Jesus. And then you get to John and you're like, man, one of these is not like the other. So we're going to be in the gospel of John. We're going to be understanding uh, the presence of the Holy Spirit um, better over the next few weeks. Um, and also, next Sunday is Pentecost Sunday. So what we do typically in a, in a church year is we make a really big deal about Advent. We make a really big deal about Christmas. We tell the story of Jesus, and then we have Holy Week and, and Good Friday and Easter. We, the, the tomb is empty. And if we're not careful, we'll rush on from the story and we'll begin to address other things. And we miss or we forget or we neglect what comes next after the resurrection, and it's the giving of the Holy Spirit Pentecost. And uh, so one tradition that's common in the church uh, on Pentecost Sunday is for everyone to wear red. And, and so I don't know if you have a spring outfit that has red in it, but I'm encouraging you next Sunday, wear your best outfit with red. And, and we're going to celebrate Pentecost together. Uh, and if you're a fan of the St. Louis Cardinals, this is going to be easy for you. You can, you can wear your favorite cardinal gear uh, on Pentecost Sunday and it'll fit right in. And the fact that I'm even talking about the divine life of God in the same sentence with the St. Louis Cardinals, it, it tells you the, 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 the progression that I've made over the last few years, that, that, that I can even do that without throwing up in my mouth is, um, is an accomplishment. Um, but wear red next Sunday to celebrate uh, Pentecost. So not too long ago, I was drawn to a book. It was, it was um, called The Last Lecture. And it was written by a professor who had recently found out that he had a terminal cancer diagnosis. And that helped him put a lot of things in perspective. And this concise little book, it was, it was a compilation of the lessons he had learned over life. It was filled with wisdom. And, and it, it helped him process what he was going through. This author has since passed away. But this book, just reading it and, and putting in perspective, what would I say if I only had months to live. Uh, it helped me put some things in order as well. And I think that is the approach that we should take when we go to John chapter 13 through 17. It's a passage, it's a section of scripture known as the Upper Room Discourse. And it's about eight hours in the life of Jesus. It begins with Jesus washing his disciples' feet. They eat the Passover meal together. They take a walk to Gethsemane. He prays in the Garden of Gethsemane. John 13 through 17, about eight hours in the life of Jesus. But of the 21 chapters that John records for us, five are devoted to that. 25% of his entire gospel is devoted to this upper room discourse. And I think it's because Jesus is saying, guys, if you miss, if you don't hear, if you haven't heard anything I've said over the last three years we've been together, make sure you get this. And he starts in John chapter 13. And it concludes with the high priestly prayer in John 17. And in the midst of that, he's promising the Holy Spirit. And this is going to be a key part of the story of God. It's going to be a key part of what Jesus was ultimately hoping to accomplish in his life, in his death, and his resurrection, is this giving of the Holy Spirit. And so he's predicting and he's promising the Holy Spirit. So let's, let's revisit that again. Pastor Chad read it for us, but let's read it again. Verse 15 of chapter 14. If you love me, 
Keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he'll give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live. You also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in the Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us? and not to the world. Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things, and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. So this is the promise of the Holy Spirit from John's gospel. And it's clear that John is different than the other three. I've mentioned that. And as you approach John's gospel, what you have to do is you have to make yourself comfortable in this world. You have to walk around in it a little bit. And, and if you're speed reading through John, you're going to miss some things. And so, so what I encourage, and in fact, that's true of all scripture. And what I encourage you to do, especially in John's gospel, is to read it once or twice or even three or four times and read it slow. And ask yourself, like, what key words jump out? And what are some themes that are beginning to emerge? And so over the next few weeks, we're going to be walking around John, and we're going to just see what we run into. And here are some things that we, that we run into. First of all, Jesus gives this promise of the Holy Spirit. Verse 16, I'll ask the Father. He'll give you this advocate, and this advocate will be with you forever. And why this is so significant is this. As amazing as the ministry of Jesus was, he did miracles, he raised people from the dead, his teaching was unlike anything the world had ever heard before. All of that was amazing, and it transformed the world. And yet, while Jesus was in the flesh, while he was walking on the earth, while he was executing this mission that, was, that he was sent by the Father to do, he was bound by time and space. Jesus did not heal everyone who was sick. Jesus could not be with everyone who was mourning. Jesus could not raise and did not raise everyone from the dead. So he could not be everywhere at all times and in all places. And this giving of the Holy Spirit is the, it's the full plan of God. The plan all along was that Jesus would come as the Messiah, would die a, a meritorious death, would, would be buried, would be raised to new life, would ascend to the Father, and because he ascends, then the Father is able to send the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit comes, the ministry of Jesus is now made available to everyone 
in all times and in all places. This is good news for us, that the Holy Spirit is Christ's continuing presence despite his physical absence. And that's, that's, that's the way we experience God. We, we weren't privileged enough to be there in the first century, but we experience everything those in the first century experienced through the Holy Spirit. He continues Christ's presence. He continues Christ's ministry until the redemptive work of God is complete through the church that is filled with the Holy Spirit. And, and, and as Jesus is giving this promise, um, he, John descri- you know, Jesus gives this promise and he uses a word here in John's gospel that doesn't appear anywhere else. It's parakletos to describe the Holy Spirit. And, and we even transliterate that into English. It's now an English word called paraclete. Because as we were trying to think about how do we translate parakletos, we've got comforter, we've got advocate, we've got counselor, we've got all these friends, we've got all these different ways that we can translate parakletos. What we ultimately decided in some English translations, we're just going to make up a new English word, paraclete. And it captures all of that. The Holy Spirit is our counselor. He's our advocate when charges are brought against us. He speaks for us. He's our comforter when we're sad. He's our friend when no one else will be our friend or when we've lost and when relationships are broken. He is the friend that sticks close to us. He is all of that for us. And this is a huge deal for us as we think about the different roles the Spirit takes in our life. I especially think it's it's important as you as you think about what we've done with the rise of social media. This is a little bit of a soapbox for me. If you've heard me preach a time or two, you've probably heard this. But I feel like with with what social media has created for us is it's given us the illusion of friendship. It's given us the illusion of relationship. I mean, we look at our Facebook profile and we're like, holy cow, I'm friends with like 800 people. This is amazing. Look at all these people I'm friends with. But of those 800 who do you call when you're sad? Um, of those 800, if they were to ask you, how are you doing, which of those 800 could you say, you know, to be honest with you, I'm not doing very good right now. Um, but we have this illusion of relationship because we have all these connections. And so what social media has provided for us is lots of connectivity, but not a lot of intimacy. We've traded intimacy for connectivity. And what our soul needs is not more surface connections. What our soul needs is deep intimacy with God and with others. And so the Holy Spirit provides both. The Holy Spirit connects us to God, and it connects us to a relationship that is intimate, and it's real, and it's authentic, and it's always present. And because of the Holy Spirit in our life, God is as close to us as the air we breathe. You can't get any closer than that. Think about taking in a breath and this this air fills your lungs and then you exhale what your body doesn't use. That's how close God is to you. You're connected to God, but you're also in an intimate relationship with God. And because of this relationship with God that's deep and wide, we can have relationships with others that are also deep and, and wide. So this is what the Holy Spirit does for us. And I want to talk about the comforting presence of the Spirit because this is how Jesus 
first introduces this promise of the Spirit. Verse 14 of John, chapter, uh, of John, it begins verse 1 with, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. And then verse 27 says the same thing. Jesus repeats himself. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. They're bookends for John chapter 14. Both promises to not be afraid, to not be troubled. Something about this Holy Spirit will comfort us and it will bring peace to troubled hearts. This is good news for us. Um, My wife, Lauren, is afraid of flying. That's no secret. She'll tell you that. And it's ironic because she grew up in the Ivory Coast, which is a country in West Africa. And her parents served the Church of the Nazarene there as missionaries. And so by the time she was 16, 17 years old, she had crossed the Atlantic Ocean on an airplane probably more times than anyone in this room. And so it wasn't for a lack of experience. And And by the way, all those times that she crossed the ocean, every single time she did not die. Every single time. The airlines had a 100% success rate. Uh, For as long as Lauren has been flying, they've had a 100% success rate. And which is data, hard data, that I remind her of every time we fly. And still, her hands begin to get clammy, her heart rate begins to elevate. The breaths begin to be a little bit shorter and a little bit quicker as we get to the, 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 the point where we're going to take off. As the plane reaches terminal velocity, something is happening in her that's not happening in me. And, and, and early in our marriage, I thought, you know what? I'm a pastor. I know, I know scripture. Maybe I've got this connection with God that she doesn't have. And so, you know, she's, she's over there. All of these physiological responses are happening to fear. And I look at her and I say, do not let your heart be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. Would you be quiet? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, I did not do that. I did not do that. But for me to look at her and say, don't be afraid. The, the, We've got a 100% success rate here. We're going to be fine. For me to say, don't let your heart be troubled, don't be afraid, it means nothing to her because she knows what you know, and that is I have no control over that airplane. I literally have no control over the destiny of that airplane. I am not a pilot. I'm not in the driver's seat. I'm not on the maintenance crew. I paid my fare, and I sat in that seat like everybody else. I have no control. But when Jesus says to the disciples, do not let your hearts be troubled, trust in God, trust also in me, he has complete control and he validates it with his life. He says, I'm going to go to the cross. I'm going to entrust myself to the Father. I'm going to uh, allow the Father to raise me up from the dead. I'm going to ascend to the Father and I'm going to give you a deposit, a guarantee that what I'm saying is true. It's the Holy Spirit. And because of this deposit, that I'm putting down on these words, disciples, friends, those of you that feel alone today, don't let your heart be troubled. Don't let your heart be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. He backs it up with his very life and with the gift of the Holy Spirit. So is your heart troubled today? Is there something in your spirit that is unsettled? 
What fears are you facing today? As I think about this promise that Jesus gives us here in just these few verses of Scripture, here's some things that I kind of bumped around into in John's Gospel. Here's three things. And I want us to think about these things today. That when our heart is troubled, the Spirit brings truth in the midst of the world's lies. Let's recognize the world of lies that we live in. Let's recognize the world of mistruths and disinformation that we live in. We live in a world of of lies. And what Jesus says, the Spirit is going to come and the Spirit is going to be a spirit of truth. The Spirit is going to come alongside the people of God and illuminate the life of Christ that reveals the perfect will of God and the love of God. The Spirit's going to come and illuminate the Holy Scriptures so that we can gather here on a Sunday morning and we can hear what God has for us. It's the Spirit of truth. And it's very different than than what was going on in the 8th century with the prophet Jeremiah. Jeremiah is prophesying to the people of Israel there in Jerusalem, and he's saying, you guys, we need to repent. Nebuchadnezzar is knocking at the door. He's going to sack the city. He's going to carry us all off to exile. If we don't repent, if we don't ask God to forgive us, if we don't change our ways, if we don't start caring for the widow, if we don't stop taking advantage of the stranger and the foreigner, if we don't change our ways and if we don't act in ways that are just in keeping with who God has called us to be, Nebuchadnezzar is going to knock down the wall and he's going to carry us all off to exile. And that was Jeremiah's prophetic message. In Jeremiah chapter 6 and Jeremiah chapter 8, you hear him lamenting some other prophets. There were prophets there in that time. They said, peace, peace, everything's fine. Everything's going to be okay. Trust in the wall. The wall's big enough to keep Nebuchadnezzar out. Don't, you don't have to change your ways. And Jeremiah says, woe to you prophets who prophesy peace, peace, when there is no peace. See, Jeremiah was speaking truth. People didn't want to hear truth. They wanted to hear what they wanted to hear. And some people call this moment that we have together prophetic. Some people call what I do uh, prophetic. And it is, and and I pray that it is through God's Holy Spirit. But do you realize there are other prophets in your life? There are other people that are not predicting the future. That's not the role of the prophet. The role of the prophet is to help you have a right understanding of the present. The role of the prophet is to to reveal what is going on in the present. And there are other prophets in your life, and they are speaking things into your life that help you form a worldview and that help you understand what is going on in your life. And we could cite different mediums that these prophets use, but The one I think about, the one that comes immediately to mind is the medium of cable news. This is a 24-7 avenue of prophetic speech into your life. There are talking heads and there are pundits and there are people that are chasing this 24-7 news cycle and they are wanting to shape a world for you. And they're wanting you to see the world and they're wanting you to understand what is going on in the world. And so we have prophets like Tucker Carlson, and we have prophets like Anderson Cooper, and they're on TV all day long, 
And they're wanting us to see the world and they're wanting us to have a a certain view of what's going on. And they're shaping the way we see the world. And so I want to ask you, what prophets are shaping your world? How is something like cable news shaping the way you see the world? Specifically, are you, is your world being formed more by consumption of media than it is by God's word? And there's a very easy way to, to ascertain this. It's, it's super simple. You just count up the amount of time you watch cable news, and you put that next to the amount of time you spend in God's word. That's all you do. And so if you watch cable news more than you read scripture, then these prophets are shaping you more than scripture. And as we think about the ministry of the Holy Spirit, the people of God need to be saying, Holy Spirit, there are things in my world that I don't understand. Holy Spirit, there are things in in the world that seem to be contrary to your will and to your way. Would you, through the witness of Scripture, would you teach me to understand what's going on in the world? Would you help me to have a right worldview that says, how would God think about issue X, Y, or Z? And instead of first going to the prophets of cable news, can we go to the Scriptures? Can we see what God has said? Because here's the thing about a lot of the prophets that speak into our life. Their ministry is not to calm your heart. Their ministry is specifically to trouble your heart. Because the more your heart is troubled, the more you're going to watch. And the more your heart is confused, the more you're going to click. And so the, the more angry you get, the more sensational things are in our world, the more engaged you're going to be, and the more money they're going to make in advertising. And so these prophets in our life, it's not to comfort, but to confront. It's not to encourage, but to enrage. It's not to speak truth, it's to sell advertising. Who are the prophets that are speaking into your life? And how can we tune those prophets out? And how can we be more attentive to what God has said in his word and how his word can shape our perspective of what is going on in our world? This is the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our lives. I'm sending you the spirit of truth. The spirit of truth. Look again at what Jesus says about the relationship that, that, that the spirit sustains us. Verse 18, I will not leave you as orphans. Isn't that good news? I will come to you. And then verse 21, whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. It's a picture of the relationship that we can have in Christ. Through the Spirit, we can be ushered into this relationship. When our heart is troubled, the Spirit brings life-giving relationship. We believe God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and in this relationship of the Trinity, it's sustained by a reciprocation of love. And what the Holy Spirit does is it comes to us and says, hey, this relationship that God has within himself where love is perfectly reciprocated, well, through Christ, you are now invited into that. You are now invited into that reciprocation of love. And in this world of hate and in this world of of backbiting and in this world of confrontation, 
that sucks the life out of all of us, through the Holy Spirit, we are now brought into the life-giving relationship of God. I heard a heartbreaking story. It was about a, a girl who aged out of foster care. And I won't have the details of this complete, well, this will be, I'll be painting with very broad strokes, but as I understand foster care, it's really effective until you're 18 years old, and then you're 18, and you graduate from high school, and then the foster care system really doesn't have a mechanism for you. It's as if the foster care system says, well, you're 18 now, there you go, and they send you out into the world and I heard a story about a girl that that's exactly what happened to her. She aged out of the foster care system. They kind of sent her out into the world. And there was no one in her life like Pastor Aaron and Carly that surrounded her with love. There was no community of people to affirm her graduation and to congratulate her and to slip her a $20 bill in a card and give it to her and say congratulations. There was no community of faith that, that gave her a Bible on graduation Sunday and applauded her accomplishment. She just was sent out into the world. And she bounced around from lots of different things and went from one heartache to another. And it was her 22nd birthday, and she just was sad that she had nobody to celebrate her 22nd birthday with. And so she put an ad out on Craigslist. And the ad just simply said, 22-year-old girl looking for family to celebrate birthday with. And it garnered a lot of attention, and, you know, the, the Craigslist ad actually worked. Some people had compassion on her and surrounded her and said, tell me your story, and, well, let's celebrate your birthday. And, but what I want us to think about is that desperation, that situation that this girl was in to not have any life-giving relationships around her that she would put an ad like that out on Facebook. And what Jesus says is when the Holy Spirit comes, I will not leave you as orphans. You're never going to have to put an ad out on Craigslist to be in relationship with anyone else. I'm going to form a people, this people known as the church, and they're going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And it's going to be a people where life-giving relationships are reciprocated with one another. Is it perfect? No, it's not going to be perfect. But I'm going to be present there, and reconciliation and forgiveness and love is going to characterize this community, and all are going to be invited to be a part of it. That's what this is. That's, that's, that's what this is, this thing that you've come to today. That's who we are. One more thing I kind of bumped into here is that when our heart is troubled, the Spirit brings wholeness to broken relationships, to broken situations. Verse 27, peace I leave you, my peace I give you. I do not give as the world gives. You can say that again, Jesus, because when the world gives peace, it's, all, it's defined by the absence of conflict. Hey, if no one's yelling at each other, if no one's trading rockets with each other, then we're going to call that peace. But that's not peace. The absence of conflict isn't what Jesus is after. He's talking about the restoration of relationships, shalom, wholeness, people being in right relationship with one another. This is only possible through the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. 
So this is good news for those of us with troubled hearts. And I want to just confess something to you. There are times when, through the Holy Spirit, I've been able to give comfort. I've been a vessel where this comfort of the Holy Spirit has been extended to others. But then there's been times when other vessels filled with the Holy Spirit have given God's comfort to me. It's exactly what Paul describes in 2 Corinthians 1, verses 3 through 4. Paul says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. Oh, this is, this is getting to what it means to be part of the people of God. Through the Holy Spirit, we extend to others the comforting presence that we ourselves have received. And there's nothing more rewarding than being able to extend to others as you are obedient to the leading and the guidance of the Holy Spirit. There's nothing more rewarding than extending to others that comfort that you yourselves have received. I want to tell you what this has looked like in my life, and, and, and we'll be done today. It was, the, it was August of 2015, and there was a, a family in this church that experienced the worst loss that any of us could imagine. A mom and a dad lost a child. And there is something so unnatural about that moment. As a community of faith, we experience death regularly. We have funerals. We have a, a way of walking through that season with people. And we've almost come to believe it's sort of natural. You know, people, they, they have a family. They become a grandparent. Sometimes they become a great-grandparent. And when they're 90 years old, they pass away in their sleep. And this is just sort of how it is. But in this strange reversal of everything that feels natural, a child preceded a mom and a dad in death, a young child. And it was, it was a Thursday in August, and we were doing the only thing we could do. We had a funeral service, and we talked about the hope that we had in Christ. And we walked with this family through this time in which they had to say goodbye to their child. And I remember praying to God and feeling so inadequate, and all of us were, and just saying, God, would something said today, would, would, would the presence of people, would, would something that, that, that is done by this community of faith, would it be a comfort to this family, please, God? Because our casseroles is just not going to cut it. And the words that we share in a funeral service, it, that, that, that alone is not going to cut it. It's going to have to be filled with your Holy Spirit if any comfort is going to be received by this family. Any hope. It's going to have to be filled with your Holy Spirit. And I remember just, just feeling exhausted after that, that morning of, of funeralizing and remembering a young child. That afternoon, my boys had 
orientation at their elementary school. And it was a big deal because it was Luke's first time to go to school as a kindergartner. And uh, big brother Paul, he was a rising second grader. He'd been there before. He knew the ropes. He knew all about Willowbrook School. He knew what teachers not to mess with and who you don't want to get on their bad side and who'd cut your break every now and then. Uh, there's no teachers at Willowbrook that you can get on their bad side because they're all awesome. But, but, but big brother Paul, he knew the ropes. He knew, he knew you know, how to navigate Willowbrook School. And so we, we pull in, and of course the parking lot's packed, and so we have to park a ways away. And uh, we're going in for orientation, and this is where you know, the kids come in, and they take their books out, and they put them in their cubby, and they get to know their teacher. And that was back in the good old days when you could actually go in schools you know, and like see a lunchroom and see where your kid is every day. And, and uh, I think those days are coming around again, and I look forward to that. But as we're walking um, towards the school, Paul just takes his hand and he puts it on his big brother's or little brother's shoulders, and they start walking towards the school, arm in arm. And I thought, oh, that's such a great picture. I want to remember that. And I'm so glad we have these devices on us all the time. And I pulled my phone out and I snapped that picture and I put it on social media and I didn't think anything else of it. And we went on and we had our orientation. And I want to fast forward four months, December 8th, 2015. I go out to the porch and uh, UPS has dropped off a package. And I open up this package, and inside this package is a painting that my friend Becky in Alabama painted for us. And she saw that picture that I put on social media of my boys walking into school, and she was inspired by that, and she decided to paint that picture. And so I want to show you uh, Becky's rendering of that moment. So here's, here's Paul, and here's Luke, and and uh, Paul's got his arm on Luke's shoulder, and they're walking into school together. And I think we can get that up on the screen so you can have a better look at it. And I just thought, oh my word, how blessed am I that my friend from Alabama that I haven't seen in literally 10 years would see this thing on social media and would decide to paint it. And oh my word, mailing anything feels like such a chore for me. Like, actually putting physical anything in the mail just feels like I've, I've just solved all the world's problems when I put something in the mail. It feels like such a chore. But she packaged it up, put it in the mail, sent it to me, and, and I just thought, man, what a treasure that someone would love me enough to, to, to capture this on canvas and for me to remember this moment, and, and it just warmed my heart put the picture down, and went on with the rest of my day. And the very day that I received this gift, that evening, at about 11 o'clock, my mom calls me. And it was that phone call that many of you have gotten. Mark, I don't know how to say this, but your dad's gone. My dad had a heart attack, died almost instantly, and one, one moment, your, your dad's here, and then the next moment, he's not. 
And that began a, a series of events, and it began, and you've walked through that, traveling and doing the funeral and trying to make sense of that, and, and it's just a whirlwind for about three weeks. And we finally get back from, from West Virginia, and I'm, I'm back at home, and I'm trying to kind of jump back into to ministry and, and what it is that I do, and I just was having some conversations with the Lord, some of those conversations that I'm, I'm sure you've had. Lord, this doesn't make sense. Lord, what are you up to? What are you doing? And I look over in our office, and here's this picture. I look over and I saw that. And I just begin to look at this picture. And as audible as I am speaking to you right now, the Lord said to me, Hey, Mark, I'm with you. And, and, and I, I felt the Holy Spirit come into that moment. I became aware of the Spirit's presence like I never had before. And it was almost as if the Holy Spirit was coming into that room, putting his arm on my shoulder, mediating to me the physical presence of Christ. And it's as if Jesus was saying to me, hey, little brother, I'm with you. Hey, little brother, we're about to go through something that you have never gone through before. But fear not. I've been there. I know what it's like to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I've, I've been there. I've walked that road. And together, arm in arm, we will get through this together. This is the ministry of the Holy Spirit. This is what the Holy Spirit does for us, friends. The Holy Spirit brings his comforting presence to us in our worst moments. And through the Holy Spirit, we experience the presence of Christ, the one who's gone before, our big brother, who's walked every road that we'll ever walk, who's experienced every heartache we'll ever experience, and assures us that with his guidance and with his help, we will get through it. And so this, this picture, this painting that hangs in our house, it, it's, it's all of that. It's a reminder both of times in which we are the comforter and God uses us in that way, but it's also a reminder of those times in which we are the comforted and we experience what the Holy Spirit does in our lives and the peace that he brings to us. 